still here and see me? Okay, good, 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 good. I am not seeing some things on my screen, and I'm pretty sure that that's probably because Zoom has updated. <laughs> so we're going to try to keep going. Um, yeah, so as you know, we always do a copyright disclaimer before. Then this is just to, to let you know that I may be using images that don't belong to me. I'm going to be quoting from some articles that don't belong to me. So I want to make you know that. And also, I want to tell you that a lot of what we teach is original to us, our thought processes, our ideas. I'm not copying anybody. I'm not quoting folks, other people. We're trying to move you into understanding the value of authenticity, of knowing the Lord for yourself, of finding your own voice. Um, the Scribal Conservatory Overview is available inside the Scribal Prophets Group, not Scribal Prophets, but the Scribal Conservatory Group. If you want to give, um, it's thescribalconservatory.com. Go there. The giving link is at the top. We're really trying to guide people to the website. And once you're at the website, click it and go to the giving link. Um, so all of that, we've had all the announcements. But today we're going to be talking about distinguishing the mind of the prophetic from the mind of magic, from the mind of magic. Um, this is part six of our ongoing teaching, redefining Ephesians 411 ministry in the 21st century. If you all have been with me from some time, none of this is new. Um, some of you are hearing it for the first time. But we've been teaching on redefining Ephesians 4 since we launched in 2016. And before that, I began writing about it in my book. It all began with in 2011 when we were looking at um, the, the different ways scribes operate, how to recognize an apostolic scribe, a prophetic scribe, a pastoral scribe, someone who's, who's writing and who is moving administratively or creatively from a scribal perspective in those areas. So this has been a long journey. And that journey has brought us here and has brought us here in this day and this time because of the people we are evangelizing, the people that God is sending, um, the people that are being brought to our creative communities that want to share their giftings and their callings. We have to know not only what is going on around us, but we have to be positioned where our hearing is constantly changing and we're constantly growing so that we can be the best representatives of Christ as we can and the best leaders we can in the lives of others. And we had a phenomenal teaching by um, Apostle Pam, and I want to thank her for that. She did um, the teaching on prophetic versus magic. And so you can consider this a continuation of that teaching, but from a different perspective. So I pray that um, it blesses you. Some things will probably cross, but others will probably be new to you in this, in this series. Okay, let me do this since I don't have my, yeah. So um, healing our understanding of the prophetic, we're back on that. And we do need our understanding of the prophetic heal day by day. And we will continue to need to need to see that healed as we grow and as we move forward. God is always healing our understanding. I want to make sure that you know that today is not about proving that we have learned something. I hope we're still recording. It's not about dishonoring what we were taught. 
It's not about shaming other believers or leaders or in their era or transition. So I don't want you to do what most Christians do, go on the attack of that young lady. I just want you to see how bad and desperate we need accurate teaching about how to pray from a new covenant perspective. We need to see how desperately this generation needs Jesus, how they need their foundations taught. And as creatives and, uh, you know, as scribes, when you're building a community, you sometimes have to give people doctrine. You have to give them a place to worship and learn, or we're not doing our job in the midst of our calling. I know that's for me because of the kinds of people the Lord draws. As a recovering Pharisee, as a recovering um, probably Sadducee too, you know, we need to stand in that place of always being ready to change, to repent, to, to look, look, I know what it's like to believe crazy stuff and I know what it's like to be healed from it. Can you identify with that this morning? this morning. And just that same compassion that God gave you to get through, we have to have a heart to see other people get through it. Today is about the new day we are in as apostolic prophetic people. It's about preparing ourselves for what is before us right now. Like that clip you just saw, it is about preparing ourselves for what is to come, which there will be more things like this. We're seeing all kinds of weirdness. We're seeing people so holy that they walk across the backs of people without their shoes on because they're too good to touch the floor. We're seeing that kind of behavior. We're seeing that kind of behavior increasing in the earth. And if you're not aware of it, trust me, if you're on social media, TikTok, um, Facebook, Instagram, then you're going to see a lot of these little things floating through. We're positioning our hearts and minds to discern the divine apostolic nature of Christ from the distortions, and we're redefining the apostolic within eternal intention. We're restoring our understanding of Christ, purging our minds and spirits from limited, distorted intel. We're learning to make Christ our true priority. He is at the center, Christ over people, Christ over self. We're digging out selfish motives, mandates. We're filling some holes, cracks, and misalignments. We're creating a foundation on which to build a better understanding of Ephesians 4. And we're seeing the apostolic prophetic from a simpler perspective within ourselves before we look at its activation for external ministry. And we're understanding that we are the seal. And this teaching is, um, oh, it's still on the first slide. Okay. So can you guys see, is it moving now? It's moving on my screen. Let me know. Let me know. Um, okay, good, good, good. So we're going to stop the share and we're going to go back in. Listen, I don't know why, but everything works when I'm working by myself. Can you see me now? Okay, so we're going to go back in and we're going to move through those slides a second time. Sorry about this interruption. Can you see this? Are you able to see this particular slide? Okay, so it's about our new day. And the last thing I said was we're restoring our understanding of Christ, 
purging our minds and spirits from limited, distorted intel. Here we are. Our approach to this subject right now is this. First, it's strongly historical. I'm going to use what I learned in seminary in my Masters of Divinity program to help us out today. Knowing the history behind things that are written keeps us from being ridiculous and making ignorant statements in our faith. And I don't mean everybody needs to go to seminary, but I do mean we should care about the context and history of the things that we declare, decree, the things that we teach. Like if we're gonna teach about, um, I don't know, marriage, we should teach it with the understanding of the perspective that the people had in that day concerning marriage. Marriage 2000 years ago looks a whole lot different than marriage does today. Can you agree? So if you're teaching marriage from the perspective of, of Paul in the middle of, um, you know, Corinth, then we have to, we have to say, okay, I hear the principles of this. I hear the process of this, but today we don't have those kind of restrictions on women in the U.S. We can own property. We can work, right? So we have to see how the context of the past informs the context of today. And then we have to look at it and say, oh, it might work like this in our day, even though it worked like that in that day. Are we, are we understanding that process? Yes, because that's a lot of things. You know, a lot of things apply. We still have to look at what we're dealing with. Now, if I live in a country that still has that context, then a lot of that that's in the historicity of the Bible makes sense because they're living in that time. I want to be extremely practical. I want you to be able to see what we are discussing in scripture and in real life. It's so important that we're always connecting our experiences, our encounters to the word of God. Jesus is the living word and he is the logos. So we have to, he's the rhema and he's the logos. So we have to be able to make those connections. So everything on this particular subject will include examples and biblical context. Also, you've been taught well in the conservatory. So we're going based on our foundations already. It's revelatory also, but your understanding will open up around you. So I'm not talking about me being revelatory. I believe that some of the teaching today would be revelatory to you, to you. It's not about my ability to revelate or give you insight. It's about your ability with Holy Spirit living on the inside to make sense um, beyond what we read, what we teach and what people say on the inside of you. Review messages one through five in this series. I strongly encourage you to do that. Or even this message will be taken out of context or not received in its fullness. Um, also, we did a series a few years back. I can't remember when, but it's about identifying false prophecy that closely relates to this. So I want to encourage you to really hold on to this particular um, series, identifying false prophecy. And I think it'll really help you. I gave five keys that people don't normally talk about when it comes to identifying false prophets that we can really look at and take hold of it. Um, so we're gonna look at the mind of the magician today. 
That's all we have time for. I ask that you lay down previous thoughts on, um, when I say previous thoughts, there's a lot of teachings we've gotten over the years, myself included, on what magic is, on what um, magicians are, on what sorcery is. We're looking at magic within the context of biblical times. I think it's important for us to understand how Paul, Peter, James, John, you know, Stephen, you know, how they all understood magic, even Moses, because their understanding was conducive to the world that they were living in. Sometimes I think we forget that when Noah walked the earth, there was no organized religion. There was no organized religion at all when Moses walked the earth, when, when um, Noah walked the earth. You had people practicing anything. There was no mandate for this, no mandate for that. And when Jesus finally, when God did finally call the people forth, he called the people forth from the nation of Israel. He didn't call the whole world. He called the people forth from a small select group. Are you with me? I need to know, say yes, I hear you, I understand. This is important to the teaching today because if we understand this, then we'll recognize that people made God, gods out of trees. You know, they made gods out of water, rivers and lakes. You know, they were killing everything. They were influenced by everything. I mean, we were right alongside them. We were killing animals too, slaughtering them on the altar. And sometimes we forget that. So it wasn't unusual for that time to have multiple um, religions that are bringing false sacrifices, you know. And then we have ours, which we believe is the true sacrifice. We believe that it is the 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 um, the foretelling of the coming coming of Christ. We believe that we understand that process, and we grew through. Thank God to Abraham, you know, and 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 Moses and. Isaac and Jacob and all of the people in between that taught us about the one and only living God that we eventually moved away from slaughtering animals. <laughs> I mean, we don't slaughter animals today for, for sacrifices and rituals and things like that. It's, and we forget sometimes that if we can get rid of a ritual like that, because even people who still practice Judaism aren't bringing things to the altar. Are you following? Everything evolves. Everything changes. Nothing stays the same. And a lot of our understanding of magic will be geographical. There are certain countries. There are certain cities. There are certain um, territories where you still have ancient religions practiced, where people have not heard of our God. You have people that are not after you because they're slaughtering whatever they're slaughtering. It's just what they do. It's just their religion, right? So we need to remember this because if you listen to some of these people in the United States, everybody is after them because they the devil and they practice magic and they do. look, it's like a whole conspiracy against one person. When people, when I've ministered to Wiccans, when I've ministered to People of a, they're not after me. <laughs> they're seeking understanding just like we are. So I'm not asking you to accept what they're doing. 
I'm asking you to see it differently. Because outside of Christianity, most of the world see any pursuit of faith as an effort to understand the world around them. Any religion is like, a, if you go and study different religions, you're gonna find real quick, they're trying to understand the meaning of life. They're trying to figure out how to make life better. Even when some of those beliefs and practices are magical in that sense of the word. So we're looking at the topic of magic within the context of biblical times. And we're trying to see this conversation through how God sees sin. I don't have time to reteach that, but I think that was one of the most powerful teachings we've ever done because we have to understand that the only reason why God says don't sin is because he is so pure and he is so holy that any sin in our lives prevent him from having fullness in us. God is with us because he wants us to be a part of his consuming fire. He wants to love us in totality. So any area of sin in our lives is not a, you so bad, you need to get saved before you die. That's not the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is the sin in your life is preventing God from loving you at the maximum capacity that he can. And it's preventing you from loving God at the capacity that you are able. This is why we do not need sin in our lives. This is why we want to pursue purity and wholeness. This is why God wants to be with us because he wants to make us one. Are we good? We have to be reminded of this. So go back, listen to at least the first teaching on how God sees sin, and it will crush your heart. You'll be weeping at the end of that teaching because we'll have some clarity and understanding on, on this whole thing. We won't be so mean to people, you know, when they are off course, when they do not know our God. Remember. The scripture tells us profoundly, it tells us profoundly that um, the sin, the Bible tells us that when Holy Spirit was released into the earth, his first order of business was to convict the world of sin. But the sin he named after that was they did not believe. So the sin of the world, the greatest sin of the world is that they don't believe God is not behavior modification. It's not. It is not behavior modification. The true sin is unbelief. The denial of God. Right? So I need you to see this. Now, why is that important? Because if you begin to love God, then Holy Spirit comes along and he says, Teresa, don't do this. Teresa, this is not of me. Teresa, learn what I love. Teresa, learn what I hate. Teresa, learn how to love people. Teresa, learn how to receive love. It changes how we see sin, not to make it passive or not to make it unimportant, but we understand that eternal intention is at work. At the end of the day, all, all God wants is the family he ordained in paradise. <laughs> That's it. 
He wants to get back to the day before deception. But he's not going backward. He's moving forward into the new day. And this is why we have to teach on the mind of magic. I want to start with um, Acts 8, verses 9 through 24. And we're in the heart. I'm skipping a lot of the things that I do on Sundays because we need to go into our meeting next. But now for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. And all the people, both high and low, that means elite status, low status, poverty stricken, you know, you're, you're highest in society. And he gave him their attention. Oh my goodness. And he exclaimed, this man is rightly called the great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. This is amazing because Simon thought he was doing a good thing. He didn't see himself as evil. He didn't know he was, quote, the bad one, as we categorize people today. And he thought of himself as great. And I want to just remind you of remembering the encounter with, with um, Moses and um, Pharaoh's magician, right? He was like, I can turn, you know, I can do this. You can do this. It was tit for tat because they were looking at, at, at God as just a generic God. There are lots of gods. Let me show you what my God can do. Let me show you what this guy can do. So, so when we understand the mindset was not necessarily of people that hated the God of Moses, they just only knew their God. And they didn't want to um, um, leave their God because their gods often had a lot of consequences about denouncing things that people had to come out from under. We meet people every day that just need some knowledge and understanding, that just need compassion to turn to God. Can we see this? Can we have some mercy right now? Oh my goodness. This man is rightly called the great power of God. That's, that's what they called him. Simon Magnus, Simon the sorcerer, Simon the, the magician. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. He had a following. He had people who had results from what he was doing. He had, but we know that's a false power. We know those things are temporary and that they don't last. But see, if people believe we're so powerful that if we believe God can answer through these means, he can. People always tell us, say, say things like, I don't know, that's a false power. But if you believe it, you bring it to life. We have to understand the power of us. The scripture tells us, as a man, so is he. If you think you're always under attack, 
you're going to see everything wrong around you. You're only going to see the war. You're only going to see the fight. You're only going to see the devil. You're only going to see the bad in me. You're only going to see the character in me. God is still dealing with. You're only going to see the decision in your mind concerning what is happening around us. Oh my goodness. We are that powerful. If I think I'm a king, if I think I'm a priest, oh my God, there's nothing that can stop me. If I believe God is for me and who can be against me, there is nothing in this world that can stop me. If I believe that he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world, my God, if comes against me, because I'm standing in the mind of God concerning who he has said I am. There is a world of good and evil we have not discussed. We've discussed it in the scribal conservatory. You know, I hear people rebuking Babylon and not being like the world, and that's true. If Babylon does not know what good, what can it do? Right? Babylon meaning the world system, the systems of this world. The world that Satan has power over. That unrenewed world is doing as Babylon is, as Babylon does, right? Until you know to do better. Thank God that those here now, we have been taken out of Babylon. We've been taken out of the world. And we've gained the understanding to be able to know how to battle what's in the world now. But when I first got saved, it was a struggle for me because I was still at war with good and evil. Paul defined it perfectly. He was like, you know, he was like, I know what what to do that is right, but my flesh won't let me do it. I keep struggling. But for some reason, we feel better about it when we say, right? But we have no compassion for the people still out there. Oh my goodness. But here's Simon. He was boasted that he was someone great. He he was like, I am the great power of God. And they followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. Oh my goodness. But when they believe, I want you all to see this. But when they believed as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus, they were baptized. Oh my God. This is the book of Acts. This is after the outpouring of the spirit. So they got something people did not get when John baptized. Oh my God. They were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized. So Simon the sorcerer is now saved, but he still has the sorcerer's mind. (laughs) Right? Simon believed and was baptized. But he still had the sorcerer's mind. How many people have come into the kingdom 
and are definitely saved, but they're still walking in the mind of the sorcerer. They're still walking in the mind of this day. They're still walking in the mind of the flesh. Everything is not instant. And if we mess around and get brought into the kingdom by people who are still practicing Judaism, who are still living after the old covenant, who are still praying and teaching and guiding people according to scattering we still have that mindset going from the inside of us, we're going to have confusion and chaos because eyes are not focused on Jesus who is the author and finisher of our faith. We shift our gaze now because there's a better way. We shift our gaze now because there's a new doctrine. We shift our gaze now because the word is now living and the living word has a new application for us. Are you all with me? I promise you, we have a destination. Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere. Oh my gosh. Astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. See, when you have the old mind, even after you get saved, he was a magician. He spent all of his life being a magician. So it's normal for him to look at signs and wonders. Apostle, you're breaking up. Okay. Okay. So hopefully you guys can hear me. Um, it's my internet connection that's that's acting up now. Can't control that. But keep doing that every time that happens, okay? So I'll know to repeat. So we're here in this place, and now we're looking at Simon a little bit differently. Hopefully we're having a little bit of compassion for him because look at how long it has taken Teresa Harvard Johnson to get here. And I'm still in some places I don't have understanding. Oh my goodness. And there I'm following this conference, that conference, this leader, that leader. I didn't know any better because I didn't know what I was looking for. But in Simon's situation, he followed Philip, which was a good choice. And he was astonished, mesmerized. And if not, if and, and I would go as far as to say he was probably worshiping Philip as a great music, magician. I hope context is coming to you as we teach this. I hope we're looking at ourselves and saying, who do I worship? That I would defend them before I defend what the Bible says. What has somebody taught? And I'm just standing with them because I now worship that leader so much that it don't matter what the Bible says. It doesn't matter what the revealed Christ is teaching because I don't feel like I need the Bible anymore because I have this great revelation. Oh my God. 
How many of us are like Simon? We may not have been practicing musicians as he was, but there was something in our lives that created a belief system that we have not let go. Could have been grandma's devil. It could have been cultural things. And certain cultures bring all kinds of Simon Magnus activity into the faith. And it must be addressed. Look, I told you guys a long time ago, I'm done finding out. If I hear one more thing about a water spirit, a new name for a devil, I'm running. The Christ in me, the hope of glory. My answers are in Jesus, not in finding out the next devil that may be attached to me. I need to find out how to access Holy Spirit who is living on the inside of me. Oh my God. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. They sent John. Oh my God, that was strategic. They sent Peter the rock and they sent John the lover of God, the lover of Jesus, the one who understood that God loved him and that he was favored by God. The one who understood relationship, not religion. Peter who was rejected and became the rock Oh my God, on this rock, I will build my church. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word, a whole thought process went across the apostolic church. We need Peter and we need John because of what they brought to the table. Can you guys see that? Oh my God. On this rock, I will build my church. John, for God so loved the world. John 3.16 came. For God so loved Babylon. Oh my God. When they arrived, they prayed. <laughs> they didn't go looking for devils. They didn't go hunting for devils. There's a point to why I brought that part up. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. Oh my God. We've been taught all our lives that once you're saved, the Spirit is within you. But in this instance, but I know why, because in, when I was saved, I was introduced to the spirit immediately. They did not wait. But anyway, when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name. Oh my God. Can you guys see that? 
that how I'm leading you is where God is taking you anyway. Not that I'm taking you somewhere that you have been unwilling to go. But I found that most people we lead, God was already drawing them in similar directions, right? Bear with me, bear with me. Oh, I love espousing the scripture. It says, um, when they arrived, they prayed. We, we did that. When Simon saw, we saw that. So Peter answered, this is good. May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. Some of us may say that that is a harsh statement. But if it had been anyone else but Simon, it would have been. But because of where Simon was in his thinking, he had not shifted. See, we don't know how much time passed between verse 9 and verse 20. They got saved. They were baptized. Those things could have happened on different. They were probably, that probably happened at the same time. But we don't know what was in between because we have this statement and he followed Philip everywhere. So he could have been following for a year. Two years, three years. So by the time we get to Peter's answer, Peter is answering like Paul answered, how long have you been with me? No, Jesus answered like that because he's like, you've been with me long enough that you should know the truth. Then you have um, Paul who said, look, I still have to give you milk, but you should be on me. So he's speaking to Simon as one who should have grown at this point. Can you guys see that? Can you see that I'm not making that up? This is important because sometimes we read scripture and we think everything happened in a day. Weeks went by. And if he was following Philip everywhere, he should have known. Because they taught a pure gospel. So this is the thing. What was in Simon that caused him not to hear what was being Caught. Are you following me? Let me tell you what was in Simon. Peter told him, you have no part to share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of the wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. The whole time, all Simon was doing was looking for another way to make money. He believed, but because he had the magician's mind, he saw this as just another trick. Peter rebuked him harshly because they took the time to tell us and he followed Philip everywhere. Philip wasn't able to get through with him and Philip wasn't a person. And he never really heard Philip. Because in Simon's mind, I'm a prophet too. I'm the great power of God too. People follow me and acknowledge me as the great power of God. I have more followers than you. I have helped more people than you. All of this is going on inside of Simon. Oh my God, are you guys with me? Are you with me? We're almost at the end. I just need you to kind of follow this. 
instead of us out. That's a Jezebel. We have to, we, when we see things, you know, the, the first thing Peter said, he said, you need to repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you. And see, you, you, he said, pray to the Lord because Simon is a believer. Simon was baptized. And according to the scripture, all the Samaritans received the Holy Spirit. So this is the truth. Who is Simon? Becoming all that God has for him. Simon's pride in himself. Simon's view of who he is and his status. Oh, oh my God. Oh, oh, oh. For business and captive to sin. Didn't call him a warlock, which he which we would in this day. He didn't call him a to him, look, you're wondering how we are able to do these signs and wonders and you're mad because you can't do it. You're mad because we're still in your glory. You're really following us to try to figure out how we got our power. And you think you can put it on the block. You think you can sell it. You think you can become rich with it. You he missed the gospel even though he entered the kingdom. Simon himself believed and was baptized. But he did not allow himself to be discipled or taught. Man. Huh. Let that sit. Don't worry. Next week, we have times of scriptures to prove Everything that I'm saying to you, we just don't have time for it today. But listen to this. The scripture says, then Simon answered, listen to this carefully. Pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. That may sound good. Simon still did not get that he had to pray for himself. He still did not understand that the power was in his relationship with, the God, with God, not in Peter's ability to pray for him. Oh, and that's pretty much the last we hear of Simon in the Bible. Oh my goodness. I want to read you this. This is um, a scholarly article. And um, this is why I love um, seminary, why I love theological study, why I thank God, because most of us will just say, this is what the Bible says. That's the end of it. There are books that are not published and that are not included in our canon. There are writings that offer the backdrop from people of this day that, that some of them didn't even know our God, but they knew Simon. They knew the original apostles. That's why our testimonies and our writings and our call to the prophetic ministry is so important. I refuse to live my life and never tell Dr. K's story. Do you follow what I mean? 
I refuse to live my life and not tell the story of how the school of the scribe and all of his teachers left this legacy in the earth. We must speak and tell the stories of each other. So we have this, this, this whole bunch of documents. And I'm going to share some of you, some of them with you inside the um, scribal conservatory Bible study group. But I'm only going to share with you one or two because people at different levels can make those things gospels when we need to stay with the Bible, right? So some knowledge is not good for us if we can't even process who Jesus is right. So I'm not one to go out and tell people, go read everything. But let me tell you, you want some story ideas? You want some backdrops? You need to read some of these books not included in the in the King James version of the Bible. Orthodox Christianity includes stuff we don't have. Some books of the Bible have 80 books. And they teach Jesus. But because we're so Americanized, we don't understand that. We think King James is the law. And that's why I love the fact that the Lord said, go back to school, Teresa, and study the early church. Specialize in the old covenant, but study the early church. Listen to this. I'm going to read this to you. This is not mine. does not belong to me. I take no ownership for it. This is what it says. Simon Magus. English, Simon the Magician, or Simon the Sorcerer. And I want you to know that from this point forward, we're not going to use the word witchcraft because the American church has made it a mockery. I'm going to use the word sorcery because I think this is a more powerful word and it provides a biblical context of our understanding of what we call witchcraft. Because look, you, you look crazy on a picture and people call you a witch and that just could have been a bad angle. You know, we, got, we do too much in the faith today. He was a practitioner of the magical arts who probably came from Gita, a village in biblical Samaria. Simon, according to the New Testament account in Acts, in the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 8, verses 9 through 24, after becoming a Christian, offered to purchase from the apostle Peter and John the supernatural power of transmitting the Holy Spirit, <laughs> thus giving rise to the term simony as the buying or selling of sacred things of an ecclesiastical office. Later, references in certain early Christian writings identify him as the founder of post-Christian Gnosticism, a dualistic religious sect advocating salvation through secret knowledge as the archetypical heretic of the Christian church. Now, there's a lot of arguments on this. There are some books that say Simon Magnus actually came to know Jesus the right way. But there are other writings that say Simon Magnus, because he never really captured the essence of Christianity, went on to create Gnosticism. And basically, my definition of Gnosticism is worshiping personal knowledge worshiping personal understanding of who Jesus is over the logos of the word, over the raymer, is living in the realm of weird encounters, of living from dreams and visions and strange supernatural experiences with no context or care for the logos word of God. 
That's how I've come to define it. Gnosticism is not just what everybody teaching Gnosticism is. If you're going to study Gnosticism, there are different kinds of Gnostics, not just one. But it's duality of relying on self to understand God, not lying on, relying on the word. I've heard a lot of prophetic people saying things like, the Bible doesn't say everything. Be careful with that statement. Because the scripture tells us that everything we need for life and godliness is in Jesus. And Jesus is the word. He's the logos and the rhema. He was the word made flesh. And now he's the living word on the inside of us. And the best way we've been given to know him is by the written word first. So I always tell you that if you don't know what you believe, you can be pulled by anything. So I always tell you, read your paper Bible and read the new covenant. I've read the whole Bible through and through several times. But for us today, we believe in the whole Bible, the inerrancy of scripture, everything it teaches, but now everything from the old covenant has to be pressed with Christ on top. So instead of praying, God scatter my enemies, we now pray, Lord, bless those who persecute me. Bless those. So we're not changing the word. We're coming into a higher understanding of the word. Love supersedes law in this day. Oh my God, obedience is better than sacrifice. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. So I want to read you this. So, um, so having been revered by the people of Northern Palestine, as possessing vast preternatural powers, Simon Magnus manifested his own admiration for the power of Christian evangelism. Are you following what I'm saying? They have documents and records and account of Simon's life that show that he was amazed by how this power, which is the spirit of God, the anointing is Holy Spirit, the anointing is the spirit of God, the, the um, Fire of God is the Holy Spirit. It's all the Spirit. All of these names we have for this stuff is just Holy Spirit. So he was enamored by what he saw as a magical power. And he treated his faith like obtaining a magical power. Are you following me? So, the second century theologian Justin Martyr relates that Simon visited Rome at the time of Emperor Claudius and was there deified by followers fascinated with his miracle work. So Simon tried to merge his Christian belief with his sorcery practices. He never in his heart really wanted to let go of what he had, even though he confessed and believed. What did he do? He created a whole nother religion that could hold both. Oh my God, but then we got to talk about reprobate. So I believe that Simon was saved when it said he was saved, but none of us can vouch for what happened down the road after this last encounter. And if we are to read the historical accounts of his life, multiple historical accounts of what he built in his ministry. That's what theology brings to the table. It brings the what if conversations to life. But when we are dogmatic in our belief, 
when we're unwilling to learn a different perspective, if we deify our favorite leader because they thought something that they experienced in their prayer time, they bring it to the whole body and now we want to live from that. We limit ourselves. I'm not afraid to change. Yeah, we used to believe that, but I don't believe it anymore. So as conservators, we have to constantly come into higher understanding, not higher power understanding, but a greater understanding of Christ in us, the hope of glory. Are you with me? Are you with me? Okay. So the second century theologian, Justin Martyr, relates that Simon visited Rome at the time of Emperor Claudius and was there deified by followers fascinated with his miracle working. Archaeological finds reputed to have confirmed Simon's div divinization have not been proved genuine. So archaeologically, digs, historical accounts, like the Rosetta Stone, like the Dead Sea Scrolls, history is important because history doesn't get stuck in a belief. History goes by new evidence. That's why I love history and why I call myself a scribal historian, because I'm not afraid to change when they dig up a rock that says this. You follow what I mean? Because that, there are many stories. I always say, I wish I could break into the ground floor of the Vatican and read all of the documents that they keep under lock and key and chains around and where they have only allowed certain documents out that tell us what we're supposed to believe. I'm not a conspiracy. I'm a realist and I deal with facts, but I'm also very, very, very in touch with the spirit of the, of the Lord moving by the spirit but i will not move myself outside of what the word says okay and i don't want you to either oh other christian documents of the third century state that simon magnus in the role of false messiah had further confrontations with peter at rome see what i mean according to this um that he challenged the apostle right before emperor nero Simon fell to his destruction from atop the Roman Forum in an attempt to demonstrate his occult ability to fly. That's how they say Simon died. <laughs> Still, other sources portray him as the individual responsible for the eclectic fusion of Stoicism and Gnosticism known as the Great Pronouncement. Simon's quasi-Trinitarian Gnostic teaching, wherein he, with the title of the great power of God, appeared to the Jews as a meditating, suffering son of God, to the Samaritans as father, and to the pagan world as Holy Spirit. is contained in the early Christians' writings known as the Clementine literature. If you are a serious Bible scholar, you will know about, about Clementine. If you don't know about him, that's where we get a lot of our faith today. A lot of the things we believe, the, I mean, all of this is tied into the Nicene Creed. I'm not trying to do a history lesson, but I want you to know a real history lesson because we won't be doing that. I'll send you to seminary because you need to learn it if, if you're drawn to that stuff. But we need to know that, that the apostles had people they disciple. And some of those disciples kept true to what the apostles taught, but others of them created religions like the Catholic 
faith and added other things to it. Well, all denominations are the result of disagreeing with something. Every denomination is the result of disagreement, not agreement. I know we, well, we agree on this. Well, yeah, yeah, of course. That's what your denomination agrees upon. Every denomination is built on disagreement. Not agreement. <laughs> anyway, we'll keep moving. Last part of this is this, and then I'm going to close with the next slide. The second century, in the second century, a Simonian sect arose that viewed Simon Magnus as the first God or father, and he was sometimes worshipped as the incarnation of the Greek god Zeus. His consort Helen was regarded by his followers as the earthly manifestation of Athena. So I want you to see how all these other religions were trying to understand God, and they used Simon, who, who had reverence to their beliefs, that pulled them into the false belief even further. Are you following? Oh man, I'm not gonna read the rest, but it's it's really, really, really good. If you're, you know, I love the backstory. What did the people living in that time have to say? Where are the writings about the people who witnessed this firsthand? Where is their evidence? Where is their proof? Where is their account? I love the book of Josephus. You know, I love, there's so many excellent, excellent teaching. But I want you to see that he did believe that one time. That was baptized. That was only following Philip everywhere. One year, two years, three years, but he never stopped practicing what he had already known. He wasn't willing to give it up because he thought he knew everything. Ooh, wow, does that sound like us? Well, this is what I know and I'm not gonna let it go. God showed me this in a dream. I don't care what you say, but it's crazy. It doesn't line up with the word. And you keep running from prophet to prophet for prayer because of some weird dream. What if the dream was wrong? What if it was twisted due to your brokenness or your desperation? As a man thinketh, so is he. Oh my goodness. Sorcery is commonly called witchcraft, but we need to look in further into our day. Praying spells, declaring spells, Praying divination, praying divination, speaking to spirits, whether subtle or low key or outright bold. Fortune telling. Oh, God show me the number of your house. One, two. What does it have to do with eternity? It's confusion. I'm sitting the name John. Does that mean something to you? How does that look like our God? Where is eternity in that? Where is eternal intention? Treating prophets, treating prophets as medium. 
Oh, you got a word for me, what the Lord said. If you're doing that with 15 and 20 people, you need to look at that. How you view prophecy is twisted because prophecy is about revealing Christ. It operates differently in the new covenant than it did in the old. We prophets of Jesus Christ, not prophets of Moses. Prophets move differently under the new covenant. And we have to determine what those things are and receive the truth of that. Not saying that there are things that don't pass to, 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 to today. Oh my goodness, necromancy, communicating with the dead, visiting dead relatives. I do not want my dead relatives visiting me. People show up in my dreams as the spirit because I looked at how I respected them, how I loved them. The Lord knows that's the Lord showing up. That's what showing up. Not, not crazy angels, not them angels that, that you worship. We're talking about how God speaks. It, it enters Gnosticism. The belief system ignores the wisdom of God to seek his own wisdom from personal spiritual experiences and encounters. Listen, I've heard people call Jesus their lover. Extremely perverted, unless you're talking about lover of my soul. Jesus, my husband, we rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Unless you're talking about he is husband as our groom. Oh my God, I'm just putting it out there. Relying on visions, dreams, words inwardly or from others. You will elevate a word from a prophet you're worshiping over what the scripture says. And you won't let nobody tell you that that word is wrong. But if everybody's in that same camp, they're going to agree with you. Right? Because familiar spirits operate in familiar territory. Sometimes we think it's the anointing, but it's really a familiar stronghold hovering over a house. Especially when the things you're listening to does not line up with the word. Oh my God. Oh, sorcery, the magic mind. Holy Spirit is completely rejected, giving the Lord no choice but to name a person reprobate or depraved. Oh, oh my God, my God, my God, my God. Listen, the New Testament, um, the Greek word for... Um, Sorcery is called, it is defined as dealing in poison. You know the saying, rotten, one rotten apple swallows the whole bunch. That's why I always tell you guys, I, th I love that you love the conservatory, but you can never worship a leader. I won't allow anybody to put me on a pedestal in this ministry. I'll start withdrawing from you because I'm so afraid of God. 
will never want to take the place of God in your life. But we are a word-based ministry that looks to Jesus at the center. We see everything from a Christ perspective. If Jesus tell me that I can ask anything in his name, I'm not going to bypass that and go do another ritual because somebody had a dream or a vision from heaven and showed me a different way. No. Now, we talked about this conservatory. This is the same message, just a different way. Because we are seeing a lot of practices that are really confusion of spirituality. And a lot of people naming themselves as being revelators of some kind, but they have never read the word. They don't know the scripture. They haven't taken the time to be taught of the scripture. And if they are showing up every Sunday, like Simon was, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. But following somebody everywhere does not make you mature. And it definitely doesn't make your mind all right. That's why I say sound off when we're talking on Sundays. Communicate with us on Tuesday nights. I need to see where you're going so I'll know what to teach next. So I'll know how to help you. James 3, 13 to 17, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in their humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are, but if you harbor bitter envy, whoa, that sounds like Simon. And selfish ambition. Whoa, that sounds like Simon. In your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Admit it. So God can begin healing you. But he, he's saying here, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder in every evil practice. While everybody else is looking for a spirit to blame, I want you to know that the only person to blame is self. The Bible tells us that we can only be pulled away by what? Our own selfish lust. No devil is responsible for our condition. Our choice and decision to follow God is. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace loving, then considerate, then submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial. <laughs> Looking at all different sides, trying to understand, making sense of things, using your mind for goodness sake, using logic, analyzing things not in a negative sense where that takes over but 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 when i was a little girl we would do pros and cons and you know i like him these are the reasons why i don't like him these are the reasons why i mean why don't we keep doing some things like that until we get the truth and sincere peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness 
First John 4 and 4, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The mind of magic is practicing of traditions and beliefs that are truly a mixture of faith and culture and old beliefs that we have not gotten rid of. The mind of the musician is the worship of encounters and experiences, so much so that what God has spoken, what he said in his word, what Jesus has demonstrated is no longer a priority in our lives. The mind of magic is the belief in the dreams and visions and, and all of the weird things that happen in our minds that are unhealed over what is already established in the word. It is the elevation of human thought the elevation of philosophy and ideas on spirituality above the logos and not in contingent with the rhema that lines up with the logos. Oh my God, it's, the, it's when gifts become about your greatness, who you are, your identity becomes this, your ability and your skill. When you see yourself based solely on your ability to work a miracle, to work a sign, to work a, a, a wonder, to prophesy the house down, to be the greatest prophet, to be the only apostle, to be, are you following? The mind of magic puts us there. The gifts become about, become about what my gifts can do for you, what my anointing can do for you, why you need to sow into this, why you have to give this and you have to give that and how you won't be blessed if you don't do this or you don't do that and how touch my anointing and do my prophet no harm only applies to you who think you're right all by yourself. That's the mind of magic. In this day, witchcraft has morphed into religion and it has morphed into the prophetic and the apostolic. It has morphed into everything but revealing Jesus. Why do we need the prophetic from Genesis to Revelation? So that we'll know whether to turn left or whether to turn right. So we'll know what the perfect will of God is. So that we'll know what God wants from us. So that we'll know how he protects us, how he loves us. So that we will know him better. Relationally, the prophetic is about knowing who God is is not about us being made great and it's used by us to create a pathway for people to enter the kingdom not to wave a wand and say new card coming you will never see a prophetic word like that from jesus yeah i said that that's something else Father, we just thank you for the teaching that you released today. We thank you for your guidance. We thank you for your insight. We thank you for your wisdom. And Father, I pray over this teaching that we don't look at other people, but that we look at ourselves, that we make sure that we're not contributing to the three ring circus, that we make sure that we're not the ringleaders and acrobats. Father, that when we see people 
pull away that want pure ministry is not because they don't love the people or that they don't love what people have to say. It's just that their spirit and their soul can't stand to see magic taking place. They can't stand to see the abuse of the spirit. They want to love what you love, God, and hate what you hate. They don't want to be indoctrinated by voices that are indoctrinated in the familiarity. They want what is pure and what is holy and what is gonna cause them to understand what is the perfect and present will of God. Father, let us not be afraid. We're not studying this to go out and pick at people and point fingers. Father, it's our hope and our prayer that we all come into the knowledge of Christ, that no man should perish and that no one enters or is left on the side of a reprobate mind. We do not want to live as Simon Magnus, Lord. We don't know what his last thoughts were, but we want our first thoughts and our last thoughts to be you at the center in Jesus' name. We don't want gifts so we can shine before people. Lord, we want to have your gifts so that we can represent as you in the earth in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, we pray today, Lord, for those that are going through severe crises in their lives. There are quite a few people that have serious crises in their lives. And Lord, we're going to pray. Even if we have to take time to pray at the Christmas party and lay hands. Whatever we need to do for breakthrough in the name of Jesus. And Father, even let us see laying on hands differently. And Father, in the midst of this, we want to be like Peter and say, oh my God, we rebuke you saying, get thee behind me. We want to be able to do that. But the context of how that was done matters. It matters because Simon should have been learning and growing. He should not still be at a stage at needing milk. Father, but let us know how to relate to people in the world that need to understand who you are, God. And let us recognize where they are. Babylon is as Babylon does. The natural man cannot understand the things of the spirit. So our goal, Father, is to enter, help people enter the kingdom. And once they enter, we can divide truth from a lie. We can show salt and light versus darkness. Give us wisdom. Grow us up in Jesus' name. Amen, amen.